Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hello, my friends. It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new podcast and a brand new series around probably one of the most sensitive topics you could talk about and yet one that's so powerful. It's on the topic of why people cheat. And the focus of this topic, you guys, is not just why anybody cheats, because there's a thousand reasons why people cheat. You know, people cheat because they drink too much alcohol, because hurt people hurt people, and they're trying to get vengeance. That's not interesting. What is interesting to me is why people cheat who still love each other. Now, that's interesting. And I see this actually happening within my own coaching experience. I see this happen in research. I see this happen on a regular basis where people who still genuinely love each other and have a really good relationship still go astray. What's up with that? Well, the focus of this series is on that specific topic. And the way it's going to work is that part one today is on an introduction. And then part two is where we're actually going to hear from one of my clients who walked through a tumultuous affair and how they got through it. Next week, we're going to hear from the woman and her story who was cheated on. And then following week, we're going to hear from her fiance, soon to be husband, who did the cheating. We're going to hear not just so that we can be like, wow, tell me all your dirty secrets. No, no, no. They have bravely, graciously, humbly communicated their story because you guys, there's great wisdom to learn from them. So that if you know someone or you are that someone who has gone through an affair or has been cheated on, you can take steps to heal through that trauma that you have experienced. And if you are a person who has never gone through that, and like all of us, you're saying, I don't want to go through that. Well, this series will give you some tools about how to avoid that and steer clear from that for the rest of your life. Are you ready? So let's dive in. So today, what I want to talk about is two particular things to be able to help answer the question of why people who love each other still go astray. So the two things we're going to talk about today are first about the evolution of marriage, which I think will help us. And second, about tension, the loss of tension. So let's start with the first, which is about the evolution of marriage. It's quite interesting when you look back not too long ago, even just like 120 years ago, that marriage and the purpose of marriage was not about love. It was about social acceptability and economics, right? A man would receive a woman as a dowry gift from her father along with a bunch of cattle. So to show the world that you have found your place in the world and that you can have some income. How crazy is that? But that was the norm for many, many generations. And yet as time progressed in all the right ways, love became the focus. And that's a beautiful thing that people started finding relationships, not because they were arranged by their parents or their grandparents, but because they wanted to be in a relationship with their partner, their soulmate. We'll fast forward now over the last 20 years, 30 years, there's something else that has started to creep in that's different than just love. You know what it is? And I hear it every single day. It's happiness. With happiness, which is a beautiful thing, that is shifted from the pursuit of happiness to now we demand it 
from our partner, from the promised vows that they brought us at the altar, making affairs all the more devastating and traumatic when they fail to live up to the vows they once said, which that with such an anchor in one person as the one and only person that's going to do emotionally crushes you when we realize apparently I'm not the only one. So what's going on there? I think it has to do with our consumer mentality. I mean, think about it. We not only want, but we expect a package to arrive by Amazon in two days. In fact, some of us now are mad when it comes in two days because we're hoping it comes in one. Take that perspective on a scale of massive consumerism of instant world. Everything's now. And we want that from our partner. And we want all of it from our partner. What's happened over time in our culture then is we have actually supplanted religion as the arena in which men and women seek meaning and transcendence and wholeness and ecstasy. And on our quest for the soulmate, we have conflated the spiritual and the relational as if they're one and the same. And so we imbue our partner with the godly attributes that we expect, not just want from him or her, to uplift us from the mundane and the sublime, all of which guess what? Sets us up for massive disappointment because no person is made to be God. You know, it's crazy. We expect today from one person what once took an entire village and God to fulfill. To quote Esther Perel, (laughs) that's a tall order for a party of two, no doubt. And it's all because of this perspective of happiness. Now, this is not an exhaustive understanding, but this is maybe a stepping stone into why affairs then could be so, so devastating because our right-centered culture and friends try to be supportive. You know, if it's all about me and the self and the ego is at the focus, then what happens when someone cheats? What do we do when we are the one who cheated? We feel so guilty. We feel so terrible. We try to amend it. The apologies seem to not work. Sometimes they do, but then all of a sudden it comes back. It seems so hard that oftentimes the people who are in marriages get a divorce are the ones who actually did the cheating. They feel that maybe somehow this would pay the penalty for their awful sin. And yet, even after they do that, it never feels better. On the flip side, though, for people who have been cheated on, our friends try to love us and they say, he's no good for you. She's no good for you. Once a cheater, always a cheater. You're better off without him. You're better off without her. In fact, if you stay you're shamed. That's right. You are shamed not only for doing it, but you're shamed for staying in a relationship if you do do it. Now, I'm not advocating staying or not, okay? There is a lot of variabilities within each story. What I am saying is that even people who are trying to make it work find that they get shamed. And our friends either say behind our back or to our face, what's wrong with you? I mean, are you codependent? I mean, do you, you know, not have any self-respect or self-worth? I mean, move on all in the name of personal happiness. I mean, you guys, today we divorce not just because we're unhappy, but because we could be happier. (laughs) We have FOMO, the fear of missing out. So for many, love is no longer just a verb, but a noun that's of constant state of enthusiasm, infatuation, and desire. I mean, today we think, what's the use of a stable household and a good income and a well-behaved children if we're bored, okay? We want a relationship to inspire us, to transform us. So our desire hasn't changed, but our expectations have. And we believe that we're obligated to pursue them. In fact, our ego demands it. And that's what stepped into a way through the etymology and evolution of marriage. So if you're the cheater or you're thinking about it, 
we say to ourselves subconsciously oftentimes, hey, aren't I entitled to an affair? I mean, if that's what I want and, and takes to be fulfilled, then I should be able to get it. Do you see, friends? When the self and the ego and its feelings are central. A new narrative of justification is added to the age-old story of straying desires. This is perhaps why people cheat, even when they love their partner all the same. You see, in your parents' generation, just even 30, 40 years ago, oftentimes a relationship was formed as a cornerstone. You were young, right? You were in debt. You were maybe still trying to get your college education. If you even went to college, you were trying to figure out life and a job and your friends and religion and all of that together, but your relationship was like a cornerstone into that relationship. Well, today, millennials are taught, no, 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 no. Don't have a cornerstone in your relationship. Make a marriage a capstone. The capstone model is the one in which says, get your education, get your job, get your ducks in a row first and stand on your own two feet and then find a partner because hopefully by then they are self-regulated and mature enough to be completely honest trustworthy and would never hurt you. <laughs> the problem is this. The capstone model is much less forgiving of sexual betrayal because it presumes that those who finally got around to marrying should be mature enough to never do something like that. The evidence suggests, however, that the capstoners are more than a little naive if they imagine that a rich set of premarital life experiences like we're good, everything's great, will serve as inoculation against infidelity. And so as the need of faithfulness intensifies then in our capstone culture, so too does the pull toward unfaithfulness. And that leads us to the second thing about why people cheat, which has to do with a loss of tension. We must pay attention to the tension, you guys. You see, in a time where we demand our partners emotionally for so much, never have affairs carried such a devastating charge. But in a culture that mandates individual fulfillment, it lures us with the promise of being happier. And as a result, never have we been more tempted to stray. Perhaps this is why we condemn infidelity more than ever as we also practice it more than ever research shows. So marriage has almost become like this mythical castle designed to be everything we could ever want. And affairs bring it tumbling down, leaving us feeling like there's nothing to hold on to. Perhaps this is what's happening and why infidelity is so strong. Because there was a man named Tony Robbins who talks about six human needs that all seven and a half billion people have on this planet. The need number one is about certainty and the need number two is the exact opposite. It's variety. So on one hand, we want to know what to expect and to have intimacy and love. And on the other hand, we want novelty and surprise and risk and adventure. And so we actually need to pay attention to the tension of having both because when you first start dating, you actually really get it because when you first start into a relationship, you actually have a lot of the variety. You have a lot of the unknown. You have the uncertainty. You have the awe and the mystery and the adventure. What you don't have is stability. So everything we try to do, all of our conversations are geared toward trying to get more certainty, more love, more predictability, more dependability. And as people go toward committing their lives together to be together for the rest of their lives, they get a lot of the stability. But over the years, guess what they don't get? More of the mystery, more of the awe and the adventure. And so what we want in a relationship is give me comfort and give me edge. Give me familiarity and give me novelty. Give me continuity and give me surprise. And so we want the security and the children and the property and the respectability on the one hand. <laughs> 
And yet we also want the desire and the interest and the sex and the best friend and the trusted confidant and the passionate lover on the other hand, all to boot. And so sometimes why people cheat even when they love their partner is because they have all the certainty on the one hand, but none of the variety on the other. And for some people have a higher need of variety, sexually connectedness, surprise, adventure, novelty than other personality types. And so one of the great things to be able to be aware of is, oh my gosh, what are my needs? And can we pay attention to the tension? This isn't an exhaustive thing, but this is one thing to understand. It would be so powerful. So as we close out today, may I leave you with two next steps to ever prevent yourself from having an affair. The first is this. Mystery is not about looking to new places, but looking with your partner with new eyes. May you pay attention to the tension. Talk to each other about how to keep those certainty and variety in balance. And the second has to do with your understanding of marriage. I want to invite you to pause and actually think about the meaning and purpose of a relationship. You know, it's amazing. Some people say, well, that's why I don't do marriage, Matt. I don't believe in, you know, just one person being together with another person. That's why we have an open relationship. Well, guess what? The research still shows that even people in an open relationship still get cheated on. How is that possible? Because one person keeps it a secret. That's how. So it's really amazing when you think about rethinking the meaning and purpose of your marriage, of your relationship. What's the purpose of your whole dating? And so when I work with my engaged couples, we walk them through this perspective called creating your marriage manifesto. And for my married people, recreating and rethinking through your marriage manifesto, which has to do with why. Why are you getting married? Because if the whole approach of the relationship is for you to put out, and as long as you put out, I'll put out. But if you stop, I stop. Guess how long that will last? Not very long. When your sole goal of being married is to be happy, you will become hopelessly miserable. And that's why cheating happens. They get bored, they get unfulfilled, and they go on from there. But when you actually realize that there's something better than happiness, and it's called wholeness, and when two people race to the back of the line and serve one another, guess what? You become exceedingly happy. And you get the novelty and the surprise and the playfulness that you've lost over the years. And so this, my friends, is just a piece of the puzzle. Next week, we're going to hear from one of my clients who actually walked through the affair and hear her story and things that if you've gone through that and you've been cheated on, some ways that you can learn from her to heal. And then the following week, for those of you who maybe been doing the cheating to learn from this man and ways that you can continue to grow to heal as well. So cheers for now, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.